Welcome back, everybody, to another, another, another special episode uh, in this journey of conversations with quote-unquote thought leaders and innovators. We're just trying to gain some insights, and hopefully you guys enjoy what we're doing now because, you know, we can't have these conversations in isolation. We have to include those guys on the ground doing the actual work. So today we are joined by Tawanda Chihambakwe. You know, before this call started, my, my seller tendencies came out, so if I mispronounced that, I'm sorry. He's from Zim Flying Labs, drone expert, drone enthusiast, the man lives drones. Uh, before he introduced himself, uh, the two of usual suspects, uh, Edwin and Rufaro, who made time in his busy schedule to be back with us today. Thank you, Rufaro. We are grateful. Well, it's not like we've got an option, eh? You're like, <laughs> you're much like forcing us here. Like, yeah. Yes, we're under duress, so... Not even under duress. Okay, let, let's let's not fight <laughs> with, with the guest here. So, Tawanda, introduce yourself and tell the people what you're about. Cool. Um, well, it's good to be on this uh, TechZim platform. Thank you for having me and inviting me here. Um, yeah, it's always fun to, to just connect with people and just talk and just share what's happening. Um, so, yeah, so I'm Tawanda. Um, I'm involved in a lot of different initiatives um, within the drone space, but everything we're doing is primarily focused on actually growing the local industry, helping out, giving information, and trying to help people do things the right way and do things properly. Um, so I am a licensed drone pilot myself, um, and yeah, uh, I guess we'll talk more about the different things that we're doing. Fantastic. Uh, so before we get into that, obviously, the big layman question is obviously, what are drones? What is drones? I know everybody knows what a drone is. Uh, my own familiarity with drones is in film, the way they use in film these days to capture shots that a dolly and a boom can't really get you. Um, and obviously the military has, uh, applications of drones. But in your experience, um, the use cases for drones are vast. But before we get into use cases, just describe to us what drones are in general for someone who might be walking into this for the first time. Uh, yeah. So so yeah. So drones have become uh, you know uh, something that's somewhat common now. Um, you see them, um, or you hear about them in the news. Uh, you might have seen it even in the shops. Now you can get like toy drones in the shops and things like that. But um, what uh, the majority of the industry really is about is on the commercial and social humanitarian use of drones. So a drone, uh, to describe it, a drone is an aircraft, and that's actually how it's classified, and that's the best way for you to even wrap your head around all the different things that come with you know, a drone. A drone is an aircraft. It's a tool that is used to give us an aerial advantage and gives us access to being able to see um, uh, different things in different contexts, right? That we probably would have not been able to see or would have cost us a lot more uh, to see. Um, it also is used to, you know, do, used as a, um, as a tool for distribution. And that's where a lot of the different things about, you know, being able to deliver and that kind of thing. But essentially in all the different things that it does, it's, a, it's an aircraft and it's a tool. That's the best way to, to look at it. Awesome, because I've often heard them referred to as unmanned aerial vehicles, and whenever that comes into my head, it's kind of like the predator drones used by the U.S. I never think of, you know, the conventional drones being, you know, in that sense that they're actually aircraft. It's, you know, there's a disassociation in my head. I guess that's, you know, part of being a noob and all. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But yeah, look, I, I think the, the predator drones is still quite... Uh, big chunk of the whole drone industry um it's just on the underground we just get privileged enough to see it when they decide to use it against someone <laughs> yeah uh, yeah 
Andrew, so, so how long have you been in the drone space? Um, you know, unmanned aerial vehicle. I guess we should refer to them from now on as unmanned aerial vehicles. Yeah, so, so the technical term is actually unmanned aerial systems now. So UAS. Okay. Um, unmanned aerial vehicles now um, is a term that's kind of fading, but the system. So a drone uh, just operates within the system. So I've um, been in the UAS drone space um, since around about 2016, um, doing a number of different things. I think we've, profiled, we've been profiled here before where we where we used to be directly involved in, in just drone racing. Um, and that's kind of where we started, yeah. All right, so um, drone racing and now what other, well, I guess different applications worldwide are we looking at drones now, just besides them being obvious um, tools? Oh, uh, there's a lot, eh? Um, so there's different sides to it. There's the recreational side, um, which is where FPV drone racing fits in. Um, a very exciting space, and I have to do a session just on that. Um, but the side that you know people are familiar with is what we call the commercial drone industry. And in that space, there's a lot of different use case applications across multiple um, sectors. And even now, um, because the industry is still at a place where we call it an emerging industry, their use case applications being discovered that we didn't even know about. Um, and this covers, you know, your A to Z type of thing from, from your agriculture, <laughs> zoology, but in between you have your, your anti-poaching, you know, um, as the sector, you have your um, construction, you have some engineering um, in that space, you have infrastructure development, you have energy, you have healthcare, uh, you know, entertainment, sports, telecoms, mining. Uh, we talked about media and film and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's so many different things, logistics and, and transport. You know, um, drones are actually in this space in, uh, in so many different ways now and are being, you know, they're being leveraged as a tool, like I was saying, that is helping us to, you know, push boundaries, to do things quicker, faster, more efficiently and at, at a lower cost in most instances. Uh, that's quite cool that there are like, um, so many applicants and something that actually is part of the system on this um, topic that we were talking about. Uh, in terms of uh, what could some do uh, related to drone? Well, I, I love sharing on this um, about careers is because, you know, um, when drones and associated with that, they only think of who repair. Uh, we call them repair and maintenance technicians. These are people who just purely repair drones. You've got the manufacturer side, right? People who actually build them, right? You've got namespace people who design drones. You've got people who develop software for drones. You've got software developers specifically for the drone space. Um, you've got the educators, so people who train others on how to operate drones, okay? Um, then you have policy people who write policies. Um, and the things that are happening now is like there's a lot of policies around how drones are regulated. That has to come from somewhere. Someone has to study and do the research and be academic when it comes to drones, like researchers, you know, who are purely just looking at drones. Then you've got guys who do statistics. So we've got particular 
institutions or where would be like the next closest step that someone could take to be like, okay, I want to get to be one of these drone professionals. How do I go about it? Uh, yeah, so look, the, the resources that are available, um, a lot of people are still wanting this thing of, okay, I need to go get a degree in something <laughs> or <laughs> that kind of thing. But um, when it comes to your the profession that you choose or the sorry the role that you choose within the drone profession right if you choose to be a drone pilot then you know there's specific parameters around what it takes to be a drone pilot so you must get trained by an approved training organization and licensed properly for you to then be a drone operator okay and that in itself we don't have um, a local platform yet there is no approved training school in Zimbabwe as yet um, that can actually issue licenses to people in Zimbabwe but that's you know going to change very soon um, but if you then decide you want to be in, in like a data analyst or someone who just processes the data, and this means you don't have to fly a drone, then what you would need to do that means uh, uh, to analyze processing data, and these could be your and a lot of the the roles include GIS analysts or your remote sensing kind of people. They are trained in being able to use data to then gather information and and, and sorry and present information. So you know, you can be in your field. So you need to look at it and say, like I'm saying the different roles, then look mm -hmm. at it and say, okay, if I'm going to be a repair and maintenance technician, right? I need then the technical skills, whether it's learning electronic mechanics or now they call it what mechatronics or something like that, right? You know, so you would go and study that, which is available. You can do that here. You can do that in our universities in some of our universities. Um, you could do it as an online thing. Um, if you're on the software side, definitely you can, you purely just look at online. Online is a place you go and say, okay, what kind of software do we need to develop um, specifically for the drones that are there in a specific use case? Let's take agriculture. Agriculture is, we call it our mainstay here in Zimbabwe. That's really what the economy is based on, right? So how do we come up with agriculture applications right, and help us to give relevant data information to farmers um, that will then help them to improve their yields? Okay, you can throw an AI in there and you can start, you know, counting different things and, and helping out with the issues to do with um, the pests like local without I need to get my drone pilot license. Interesting. You mentioned that um, you are a licensed drone operator and an interesting one for me has been, well, I'm into video, so I make videos and a couple of people that approach me, you know, just inquiring about videos also um, usually merge that with, hey, can you also use a drone to capture some of that footage? So in line with that, what opportunities open up for a person who is old of a drone license versus someone who isn't. Like probably I just play around with a friend's drone and I'm good at using it, but what opportunities can I get if I am a licensed drone? Or um, the opportunity you'll get is that during the so you will not find yourself <laughs> being <laughs> alive for time. <laughs> it didn't happen. Okay. So that's the biggest <laughs> benefit. Okay. Um, if you want to be an operator, we have to go back to, to what the regulations are. And please note, Zimbabwe's regulations are not unique, right? The world over, 
Okay, pick any country you want that you think is amazing in the drone space. They have regulations and that guides how drones, which are aircraft, are meant to be operated. So if you have a situation where, like, unfortunately, we have in Zimbabwe, where there's more people unlicensed than those that are licensed, what we're doing is we're all doing this at risk, okay? You have people who have a, uh, an elementary level of understanding of the technology, and they're going out and offering services, right, without having a full understanding of the tool that they're operating and without using it, right, in a way that makes sure that, the, that everyone else around you um, is safe and that you're not posing a danger and a risk to um, other, other aircraft in the air or people on the ground at their property. Okay. You can't, for me, I always tell people, you can't know what you don't know. If you haven't been trained, then you don't mm. know, right, what you don't know. Okay. And you, and I, that's why I emphasize it's elementary. So you know how to fly and capture videos and all that kind of stuff, but you don't know the rules of the air. You know about how to, how to make sure that you plan correctly, right? You check uh, things like your weather before you actually go out. What mm. happens in the case of an, of, uh, of an incident where, where your drone can lose control or lose signal, whatever it is, you're not trained, right? On how to manage those kind of situations. You're not trained on how to communicate with people that you are probably flying over, okay, which is a requirement. You need to know how to inform the people, how to handle things. Um, when you see an aircraft in the air, what do you do? Okay, how do you make sure that you are mm. not flying in a space, right? And things like no-fly zones. People completely ignore that, right? How do you know that where you're mm. flying, it's actually illegal for you to do that? You, it's actually illegal for you to fly over any government building, and that includes hospitals, police stations, anything like that. That's illegal. Okay, that's a national security threat. But how many people actually even, you know, consider that? No, they're just happy to fly wherever and whenever. So it's a very interesting <laughs> Yeah, because, because those are like the perfect shots. I mean, you'd be like, hey, this, this government building just, it's an architectural masterpiece. I just need to take the angles, you know? Um, but also like in line with, uh, with stuff like recreational flying. So maybe I'm just uh, filming something in my backyard or... I'm out in the wilderness somewhere just taking shots of myself. Um, is that something that also falls in line with being a licensed operator or like there are some gray areas in which even as an unlicensed operator, I can enjoy my drone? Yeah, so, so, so another thing is, is the moment you buy a drone, okay, whether you buy a toy drone in the shop right now, or you're buying a heavy duty industrial grade drone and everything in between. The responsibility is on you, the owner of the drone, to have an understanding of the local regulations about how to operate a drone in your country, okay? Same way, mm. if you buy a car, if you buy a car, it's your responsibility to go and find out about the rules of the road and how to operate correctly and then seek the correct permission. If you decide to drive around in your yard, Without a license, that's up to you. But the moment you decide to go and do it outside of your gate, you have a responsibility to know the rules of the road. The same with the drone. Flying at home, great, go for it. Do your thing. If you want to go on holiday and there's no one else around, if you go to some place, some nice holiday spot, and there's no one around, because now you're in a public space, right? If there's mm -hmm. no one around, great. That's you and, you, you and yourself. But the likelihood of you flying at a recreational spot with no one else around is really low. So you have to then take the necessary precautions. How do you know the precautions if you haven't been trained? Mm. 
So I like that. So regardless of whether whether you're going to be somewhere where you assume there aren't too many people or the like, you definitely need some training there. So now that we've we've like doubled in on training, is there like a minimum age requirement for you to be uh, taking training for that drone license? And where exactly can I actually go and get trained to become a a licensed drone operator? Are there any clubs, associations, schools? Um, so, so yeah, so, so I'm going to answer that, but let me um, just add to what I was saying before. The responsibility on the owner is to get the regulations, not necessarily to get the license. Mm. Okay, once you buy a drone, your next responsibility, or even before you buy it, is the regulations, is the guide, okay? Within the regulations, the regulations will then tell you if you're going to use your drone for recreational purposes, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to register your drone. And these are the parameters around how you can use your drone recreationally. So it's not to say that if you are going to use your drone recreationally, you need a license. No. If you're going to use your drone recreationally, you need to know the law around using the drone recreationally. That's my point. So now when you look at the okay. actual regula- the regulations, it will tell you to say, okay, if you're going to use a drone for commercial purposes, which is for hire or for reward, which is what 99% of people are buying drones for, okay? Then you need to have mm. the requisite training and licensing if you're going to offer a service, okay? Mm. Now, mm. for you, if you buy a drone and you're doing for fun, you all you, need, all you need to do in terms of responsibility is make sure that Silver Aviation has it registered that you have it. They just need to know that you have it and that, okay, there's this drone that's coming. And then they'll give you, and then it's literally a form. It doesn't even take long. That's the funny thing. It doesn't take long. You fill in a form and that registration will just be like, hey, the drone is registered, you know, and they're just going to ask you to say, okay, cool. Just give us your information. Um, And then they'll give you what's called a letter of approval. Just a letter to say it's a generic one. Here you go. Cool. We've noted that you bought your drone in. Great. Go. That's recreational. Mm. And there's classifications around the size of those drones, etc., etc., and that one, the recreational, is open. That one is kind of an open thing oh. where you don't you don't have the limit of the age, the age limit, right? Now, if you, if you are below eighteen years old, when you sign that, the when you when you register, you will need a, a parent or a guardian to countersign, okay, naturally, but you can do the rest of the information if you're under that age, if it's for recreational purposes. If it's for commercial purposes, now you need to be 18 and above for you to then be able to qualify to even go and get the training for licensing. Mm. Interesting. Mm. So that's cool. So just to segue uh, away from the whole drone licensing and training, which is quite informative, I wanted to ask about uh, Zim Flying Labs or Flying Labs Mobile. Um, we've covered it before and I'll put the links to all of it in the description, but can you give us a, a walkthrough of what it is, what it does, and all the in- initiatives it's been part of? Oh, cool. Um, so, so yeah, so um, how it started. So Precision Aerial is our commercial drone company, right? Um, and under that, we do a lot of different things um, within, you know, providing commercial drone services across different sectors. Um, and then was involved in consultancy work and helping businesses to integrate drones into operations. And that's all commercial. Then we have a whole thing and it's a hashtag, you can go look at it, it's drones for good. And within the drone space, it's how do we use drones for good? 
Now, drones for good does not fit when you're saying, I want to use my drone on a mine. That's not using a drone for good. That's using a drone for business and for whatever. So there's a whole aspect of how do we use drones to do good? And that covers a whole social and humanitarian um, angle. And that's where your things like using drones for healthcare delivery, um, using drones to help when we have disasters and disaster management, helping doing youth training programs, that's using it for good for community development. So within that space, right, there's a global network called the Flying Labs Network, right, which is, which is the flagship program of an American company based in Switzerland called We Robotics, okay? And Flying Labs Network is a network of hubs around the world in over 30 countries now, right? And they're focused purely on using drones for good. So using drones and robotics for social and humanitarian impact. So they, they and we now, um, Precision Aerial applied and successfully applied to get um, the license to start up and run uh, Zimbabwe Flying Labs. So um, we got that license approved uh, October last year. It took us you know, close to a year <laughs> working on that. But it's, it's a country license for Zimbabwe. And really what it is is now we're setting up a hub and the work involved there is us wanting to deliver uh, those kind of services for good. The advantage we have within the network and the strength of the network is that we can pull on any of the learning and projects that are done by other flying labs. So for example, the Dominican Republic Flying Labs and Peru Flying Labs have a program uh, project that they've been doing for medical drone deliveries, right? Where they're doing, you know, um, it's not just samples, but it's it's all sorts of different things that are needed within you know rural communities between rural hospitals and district hospitals. That project was done successfully. They even got the support from DJI, which is the world's largest drone manufacturer in the world. Most people with drones have DJI drone. Um, so DJI came on board and worked with Flying Labs to do that. And that project, we can do it here in Zimbabwe, right? With obviously the right partners and people with the support from government, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> right? We could actually do that project here tomorrow, mm. right? Because we have the requisite training, mm. right? So we have internal training programs around how to deliver that. We have access to the operational planning required to actually do that, right? We have licensed operators. We have access to the expertise of the people who actually manufacture the drones, i.e. DJI and other drone manufacturers, who can then act as a support to make sure that we succeed. Then we have the lessons learned from these other flying labs, which we can use directly here, including the whole plan, the output, the data, what they did right, what they did wrong, the whole project plan. We have access to it right here, right now. So we could take any project from around the world that's being done, be it in agriculture, be it in youth training, be it whatever, and, and localize it here. And the idea with that is to make it so that um, we can not only, and it's not only about us doing it ourselves as flying labs, but we want to also then train and teach Ministry of Health, you know, in that context to say, look guys, we can help you to do this yourself. If you then decide you want to have a drone program as national blood services or as Ministry of Health or whatever it is, we can help train you, get to the place where you can do that at a much cheaper cost than what it would take to try and bring in a you know big commercial you know medical drone delivery company. So the whole essence of Flying Labs is to try and democratize the technology and bring it in and make it local and give access to it to so many people, as many people as we can uh, through our programs and through our work. 
Right, interesting, because I've seen on the like on the website you have uh, partners of obviously the Civil Aviation Authority, Zimbabwe, Purple, Future, and Precise Area, like you said before. Um, so, what what organizations in Zimbabwe have you partnered with uh, with through Zimfly Labs? Yeah, so so we've we've just started out, um, like I said, we started in October. So we we are talking to a number of. Um, NGOs, um, because obviously they're they're more receptive to hearing things <laughs> around <laughs> social humanitarian impact. Um, so we 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 are we are there's a couple of projects that are on the cards which we can't really talk about right now. So the the only project we managed to do in that short space of time, which I'm grateful we were able to do it, is our youth training program, and that's what we managed to do. So that was really just a that was Flying Labs and Precision Aerial that did that. Uh, so we we. Uh, basically funded that project ourselves. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to finding new partners, um, anyone in that space, happy to work with the government institutions that are willing to, you know, do the work and get it done, um, and any NGOs and that kind of thing. Um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Interesting, because I saw, uh, uh, well, actually on your status, I was, I was snooping, I'm sorry, uh, but I saw that there was another flying labs department that was helping with vaccine deliveries using drones. Is that something that we could possibly see in Zim, like with the whole, you know, COVID vaccine rollout that, you know, flying labs could literally be dropping off vaccines in areas that are hard to reach? Exactly. We could literally be doing that. Um, and one of the big things around that space is the flying labs is great because we have all this training and knowledge and information and access to all these partners. But the funding is, is every flying lab is independent. So there's no central funding pool where we draw money from or whatever. Each flying lab has to find its own funding for its projects that it wants to run. And it's not, it's not us trying to go out um, with the drones to look for a problem. It's one of those where we need to identify a challenge and then bring and see if this can be a solution um, that can be used. So it really requires, um, like for example, um, with when, when it comes to, you know, you're talking about medical kind of delivery, stuff like that, and COVID-19, it really requires a thing where we're like, okay, we can go and engage uh, Ministry of Health and Child Care to say, hey, look, we can do this, right? But they would also have to recognize the value of it and have the willingness to apply the budget and the thing to do, the, to, to do it. So if they, if they are like, oh, yes, great, that's cool, drones are nice, but they're not willing to you know put their money where their mouth is then then stuff doesn't really happen do you know what i mean so there's only so far that we can go mm. and it's not even just about the money aspect it's us as flying labs don't have the reach that minister of health and child care has right so we would need them to be on the project not as just someone who's interested or whatever but literally be pushing it so that we can get into the hospital so that we can get the permissions and the access so that we can do the te the test the testing and the demos at the district hospitals. We can't just up and go and start flying around and that kind of thing. That's unethical. Mm. You see what I mean? So, yeah. so you, need, you need motivation. And that then comes to our, our hierarchical kind of approach in this country, where it's like, okay, how long does it take to get something approved? Do we need to go all the way right to the top for things to move? Or can we recognize that this is something good and then make decisions and go? Mm. You, you, you will know what we try to do. You probably remember what we tried to do with, with um, the COVID-19 um, pandemic when it started last year, where we wanted to use drones to, to kind of disinfect the streets and that kind of thing, our crop spraying drones. 
we had them. The drones were there. We're ready. We even had a local partner who was willing to fund it and make it happen. And the stumbling block was the time it took to get it processed in the government space. Like we went through the whole of lockdown, opened up again, and still hadn't gotten approval, you know, uh, because of just going around and around and around. So those are some of the issues and barriers that, that we're currently facing. So there's no, there's no, okay, uh, my question is kind of redundant that there is no way to expedite the process. Of course there isn't, because if there was, you would have found a way to do that. Uh, but speaking on not just government approval, but what local partnerships we formed with other startups or with startups in Zimbabwe to try and then push the needle forward. But by the time you then get to, uh, you know, the, the relevant authorities, you've got, you know, an even more extensive backlog of work that you've been doing, um, you know, with local businesses and startups. Yeah, so, so that's one of the things that we're currently working on. Um, so we're in the process of actually, in our strategic process, like our first year is really about getting to know people and getting people to know us and that we exist. So I'm pretty sure out there, there is a, you know, um, a hub uh, similar to, you know, maybe an innovation hub or a, these NGO partners or people who would be a great fit and support and who are probably doing work very similar to what we're trying to do, but we just don't know them. So, so we're trying to get out there as much as we can. Um, we haven't uh, made any sort of local partnerships with any other startups and that kind of thing. Um, but we're definitely open to doing that. And just this, this you know, since the start of the year, um, normally people rally around crisis. <laughs> so, so you know what happened with this um, cyclone Shalane, Shalane that was going to come? You know, um, you know, we even had, you know, the ZRP phoning us and saying, hey, you, you guys have drones. Can you like, you know, can we like work together? <laughs> you know, you know, when, when there's a crisis, then people want to have a conversation. But when it's not, people, people ignore your emails and phone calls. So, so, yeah, so we're in the process of getting to, you know, talking to a lot of different people, getting them to, getting them to know what Flying Left does, who we are, and trying to get them to see that, you know, what, we're not just trying to provide services, but power. Um, and, and that kind of thing. So that, that, that comes down to the use cases for drones um, that, you know, the, the, the scope of their use is not just limited to the things people can see that they are. And this is pretty much what I think Zimflight Lab is trying to do. Um, and I think the world segue to, the, to my next question is the book, the book you call it, The Drone Professional One. Um, uh, well, we covered it and, and I'll leave the link to that story in, in, in the comments. But I want you to, I want you to like, walk us through like people you worked with, uh, the parts that you covered. Because like, uh, when I saw the cover, I saw a number of diverse people who, were, who helped write the book. So you just go through basically the, the creation process of it and the, the plot points you tried to hit. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, so, so the book is a, is a cool story because um, um, we, we've been involved in, in helping. So like uh, Precision Aerial, before we joined the Flying Labs, we've been connecting with a lot of drone startups and other industry professionals, drone industry professionals across Africa, in South Africa, in Zambia, in Kenya, uh, Rwanda as well, and also in Ivory Coast. So in connecting with all these different people, um, we're, I'm on a number of different platforms, you know, where we share information and try and help and support each other for in, a, in an African context, right? Um, through that and through our work specifically that we are also involved with in South Africa, um, uh, someone reached out to me and then, you know, um, it must have been, what is it now, mid-2019? No, mid-2018, sorry, mid-2018. 2018, yeah, mid-2019, 
no, mid-2019, sorry. Okay, so they reached out to me and said, hey, look, uh, we're thinking of putting together a resource book um, on the drone profession to help define what the drone profession is. And this lady, her name is Louise Yuk. Um, she is from the UK, but she lives in South Africa right now. So she's, she's um, one of the leading drone um, industry players in, in agriculture. So she's focused on agriculture applications. So anyway, she reached out and then she said, hey, we'd love to have your thoughts on this. You know, we like the stuff that you're doing and, you know, the stuff that you're talking about in terms of like ethics and all sorts of things and education and training. So, yeah, so I was invited to be on this platform, um, asked to write an article. So I wrote a chapter in this book, uh, the book Drone Professional One is a resource book. And really that's what it is. It's a resource book that puts together some of the most current information around drones in specific topics. So it covers a lot of the different industries that I talked about. Um, from a commercial standpoint, uh, your, you know, your agriculture, your mining, um, you know, all sorts of different things within that space from a commercial standpoint. It also covers a bit of the humanitarian side of things. So what's happening with the drone deliveries you know, the backstories to a lot of the companies that we hear about. Um, so, yeah, so that was written by 16 professionals from all over the world, uh, a number of different countries in Europe, um, you know, wanted to be from the States and then a couple of guys from Africa. So that book is out. Um, and it was so amazing that, you know, and I learned a lot about books and publishing and all that kind of stuff is that in such a short space, it became a number one bestseller on Amazon. You know, um, and it's doing and it's been doing really well outside of Zimbabwe um, because of the pandemic. The hard copies only got here, I think, September last year. Um, so we've only started now getting the books out and, you know, we've been kind of selling them. It's not really in bookstores yet. Um, we're waiting for our second stock to come in, then we'll get them in the bookstores. But it's really a great book. And I would encourage anyone, you can either get a soft copy on Amazon yourself or you can get a hard copy from us. It's it's a really good resource book for anyone who is interested in drones, even if it's just for video, <laughs> like my friend here, right? If it's just for videography, um, whatever it is, if it's for recreational purposes and that's what you're buying your drone for, it's something for you to, you know, to read and to learn more. And you'll, you'll find a lot of cool things that you could actually, you know, um, see yourself getting into um, after reading the book. Fortunately, I, I've been slacking on getting my copy of the book. I uh, recently got a Kindle, so those excuses are running out. So I'll, I'll, I'll purchase Come it. Come on. <laughs> I'll, I'll purchase it and then, you know, give my review of it. Um, so is there another coming up? Um, well, I'm saying this, not having read the first one. So I'm, I'm just curious as to, you know, you can, you can now own my weekends if there's another one coming out sometime soon. <laughs> I, I, I think this guy knows some, some, some things that are happening behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, so yeah, so Drone Professional 2, um, the manuscript was done uh, end of November. Uh, we went to our publishers and yeah, uh, Drone Professional 2 will actually be dropping this Friday. I'm saying dropping like it's an album. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> so Drum Professional 2 is out on Friday online on Kindle. Um, right now we're doing the back work to try and get a high ranking on Amazon. And it looks like it might actually be another bestseller. We'll, we'll see. But this book has got more people on it now. It's got 21 uh, drone uh, industry professionals. And in this book, I'm speaking, or sorry, I, I wrote um about uh drones for good 
and really how the whole aspect of you know the flying labs concept is actually revolutionizing and changing um, the drone industry in itself because it's allowing people access to information and yeah like i keep saying democratizing the technology um and helping it get to more people a lot quicker in the first book i didn't mention um, what i wrote about was education and the future of careers um uh in the book and i was really outlining the definition of what is actually a drone pilot versus a drone owner uh, versus a drone professional um that's what i wrote about in the first book and then looking at the different careers um in that space and how people can get involved awesome well, well i will be reading i'll be buying the first uh, drone professional one you know stop my slacking and today, this right today, today, today i can yeah. meet you i can meet you today <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll you can, you can buy for us yeah. as well because you know nice, since, nice. since you think you just buy. I mean, come on, hook us up. <laughs> uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely do that. I'll get three copies uh, for 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 the team. Uh, Tawanda, it was amazing having you on. Uh, we learned a bunch about drones. Um, I will definitely be reading the, the first book and be doing a review on it on Texan for for those who you know uh, want to get into drones. Um, you know, it's it's the least I can do having take having taken this long to read. I think it's been four months now. So yeah, uh, in Drone Professional too, uh, check your Amazon and your oh, we can't say local stores because of lockdown, but check Amazon um, for this Friday um, if you can you know get your get your copy of the second one or the first one if you haven't read it. I'll leave the com- the links to everything in the in the, in the comment section. I want to thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been a, a blast. Uh, we learned a bunch. Um, don't be a stranger. Yeah, that's what I keep saying to everyone. <laughs> cool guys thank you for having me on your platform really appreciate the work that you guys are doing um you guys have got a really really good platform and you're doing some important work thanks guys thank you very much uh and we will we'll be requesting you know uh, some drone classes for the three of us at some point this year you know just to get a feeling yeah for Ed. yeah sure come <laughs> yeah we've got a lot of those a lot of those programs so yeah come through all right we'll do so thank you for listening uh Thank you on behalf of Ed and Rufaro. We are not let talk because we will not stop talking if they start talking. Uh, yes, that is shame. Uh, so we'll see you again on the next one. Hopefully it's a normal episode, but knowing us this, this couple of weeks, it's going to be another special. So thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Bye. Bye.